0: The Hammer Podcast will not be heard this month. In its place, we give you the following special presentation.
1: Legends of the Superheroes! For centuries, the world has been protected by a group of extraordinary men and women
0: who have dedicated themselves to fighting crime. Greetings and welcome to Legends of the Superheroes, a production of TheHammerStrikes.com, where we take a look at the live-action versions of your favorite comic book characters. I'm your host, Gene Hendricks, and as you know, this is my excuse, even though I don't necessarily need an excuse this year, apparently, but I, this is my excuse to get together with some of your favorite podcasters and talk about some movies some tv shows that you may have seen may not have seen in a while and see what makes him tick and how we feel about them. and this time out i am joined by the conway twitty of podcasting mr j david weeder how are you sir
2: excellent of course you
0: can call me dave i i plan to and <laughs> i've shared a room with this man so i can definitely call him dave yes Although we the... had a
2: barbecue. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> We had tasty food made out of doors. I will yes. be politic about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what you call it, it was good stuff. Yes, it was. It disappeared fast enough, I think. And this time out, we are going to be talking about something that is on a lot of people's minds recently, and that is Daredevil. No, not that Daredevil. Not the Netflix series. No, we're talking about the 2003 Ben Affleck movie, Daredevil, which... I have to say, I haven't watched in a, a good number of years, and I thought it held up pretty well, actually. What do you think, Dave? Overall, yeah, it has. Um, it's a, it's a it's a popcorn flick at oh, the end of the day. Definitely, yeah. It, this is not something that you're gonna go for a lot of deep meaning.
2: No, <laughs> I don't think anybody actually. I hopefully didn't go to that movie looking for something like Sense and Sensibility, but. If you're looking for a good action movie, yeah, it holds up. For the most part, there's some technological issues, but
0: well, and you're going to have that with uh it technically it was still CGI in its infancy, mm-hmm. and you can it stands out pretty pretty well on this. It's oh, that's a stunt, man. That is something completely digital. Yes.
2: Uh, But some pieces really hold up better than they should, such as his radar sense.
0: Oh, yeah. I liked how they they did that. It was I mean, the note that I took is it's actually more like sonar than radar. (laughs) uh, And it's not like they have it in the Netflix series. And I don't know if that's so much they changed it to change it or they had a different interpretation to begin with. You know what I, I mean?
2: When, yeah, when they set up to do the Netflix series, one of the things Jeff Loeb said was, we're going to try to do the opposite of what the 2003 movie did, which hasn't been entirely true. <laughs> <laughs> They've t- if you look at the very last scene in, in season one, mm-hmm. what's Daredevil doing? Exactly what he did at the end of this movie.
0: Right. And this this movie, really, and we were talking about this off air, but uh, as we record this, Batman v. Superman has not come out yet and neither one of us is really super excited to get in line and see it. However, this is the movie that convinces me that Affleck can do Batman. Yeah. Because this daredevil in this movie, you know, until the end where he makes the conscious choice after fighting the kingpin to be the good guy, up until that point he's Batman in a red suit. Pretty much, yeah. Because of the way he he intimidates people and he beats a snot out of people and and everything. I mean, Affleck.
2: Get... Yeah, Affleck physically. I mean, he's what six eight and just built like a like a brick
0: house. Oh, he he <laughs> is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if it's if it's in a bat suit or devil suit, he's already intimidating. Right. Yeah. And he's got the acting chops. I mean, you you can tell not just in this movie, but in uh, a lot of the stuff he does, especially the stuff that he directs. Mm-hmm. You can tell he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, let me see. However,
2: he gets bashed a lot for this role. And I don't see it. I don't think no. he put in a bad performance.
0: I think... I think what we have here, if I may psychoanalyze the fanboy, I think what we have here is an example of the overall movie doesn't strike the right chord with people. And I can see that. You know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: There are some parts of this movie, which I think can be, should, should be excised like a cancer, but they let that color their interpretation of the whole movie. Yeah. And so that reflects poorly on Affleck, even though in his performance in this film was really, really good. Yeah. I mean, the way he, just look at the opening with him coming out for the first time, coming out of the sensory deprivation chamber. And getting ready for the day. Mm -hmm. All the little touches he does, and yeah, okay, it was in the script, but the way he he goes through and reads the braille, what suit am I going to wear? Folds his bills differently depending on denominations. You know, all the stuff that a blind person has to do, and he does it like he's done it every day for 20 years.
2: Yeah. And I would say that's something you see in this that you don't see in the Netflix series is those little blindness ticks, I guess, or just trappings that you would have if you were a
0: blind person, mm-hmm. the day to day. Which you, which you would think they would have more in the Netflix series because they have the time; they can show the quiet moments like this. That this is this movie is less than two hours, mm-hmm. and they ha- they are able to do that here. And yeah, part of it is we must instantly establish him as a character. But just, you know, show Matt paying for coffee on Netflix with a bill that's folded a certain way. Yeah, it, but, then again, I'm not making the show, so. And yep. it, and from <laughs> what I've seen, it is an excellent show, so yes. I really shouldn't nitpick that much. Exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there is a context for some of the things that feel shoehorned in. The reason is, they are. Mm. Daredevil started out as a fairly low-budget, straightforward action movie. Mm-hmm. Then you have X-Men. Um, which X-Men actually came before this X-Men hit bigger than expected. So as this movie's slowly developing, you also have Spider-Man and Spider-Man of course was huge, right? With that, the studio said, okay, I want you to make daredevil another Spider-Man. Well, yes. In the early days, these two had a similar aesthetic, but the movie that they were going for was not in that same vein. So you have this mixture of, of hard level street justice, and then over the top comic bookiness, and it never quite finds its equilibrium.
0: Yeah, it seemed as I watched it, it seemed like uh, again, like the the Green Lantern movie, mm. where it's almost as if they tried to shove too much in. I yeah. mean, the 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 problem that I had and Sean Engel had with the Green Lantern movie, and as we talked about on other Legends of superheroes show, was they had Hector Hammond and Parallax, and Hal Gang the ring, and have him train, and have him abandon Noah, and come back to Earth, and have the romance, and it's just like they they took as much stuff as they possibly could cram in, and it didn't serve the movie well. This, no. It's the same thing here, where you have the origin story... Which I thought was handled really well, even though they did change stuff. They made minute
2: changes, but yeah. the spirit is very much there. And I love the guy that uh, is it's Keith David, plays Jack Murdoch. Yes. Love his performance and his look.
0: Yeah, yeah. My my one quibble with the, the origin in the movie is that Matt got blinded, not because he saved somebody, mm-hmm. but because he was running away from his problems which was finding out that his father was actually a mob enforcer. Correct. So it's it's a little bit of a character thing, but that does play into the way Matt behaves as Daredevil later in the mm-hmm. movie. Uh, but they did the origin story very well. They set Matt up and Foggy as these fight for the little guy, even though they pay you in fluke. <laughs> Fluke is a fish, man. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew that because I fished for fluke with my father. <laughs> it's one of the things you do with the Jersey Shore. But then they also cram in Electra, and they don't do it well at all. No, that's and it, it, it
2: ends up destabilizing the whole movie because of that. The movie surrounds Electra, and Jennifer Garner's not playing
0: Electra. No, it would almost it would almost work, almost if they had kept the backstory. If they just said, oh, I recognize that scent. That's this woman, you know, I met in college or something. But this is... Yeah, just a couple of lines. Could have saved it. Anything. Yeah, but this is a first-time meeting. He becomes so infatuated with this woman that he blows his secret identity completely with that stupid playground fight. Uh, there's no justification for that. There's there is none. N- none. It, it is the, the worst scene in the whole movie. And she... Okay, so apparently it, she has sex with him, and that makes him a puppy dog that must follow her around constantly. Yeah, her father is killed. Then she is dealing with the grief, and he takes that personally, not because she thinks Daredevil killed her father, but because she's she, she basically
2: wants to move on with her life. <laughs> yeah, she
0: actually she wants to you know deal with losing her only remaining parent. And he takes it personally to the point where once she becomes quote unquote Electra with the size and everything, which was such a quick turn I don't understand where it came from. No. And stabs him through the shoulder that he's concerned with losing her again. The actual line is, I don't want to lose you again. He didn't lose her in the first place. No. <laughs> Where'd the again come from? But that would make more sense if they had this previous relationship. It's just, oh, I'm seeing you for the first time again in 15 years. How, you know, let's pick up where we left off. No, it's, all this has happened. And and that that would have made so much more sense instead of the way it got shoehorned in. Well, and at the same time, you
2: have Karen Page being completely marginalized. She isn't even named. Not really, no. It, it, It does get corrected in the director's cut. She has something to do. But you have Ellen Pompeo, who... She's bigger now because of Grey's Anatomy, but even then, she was in Old School the same year. She was doing high-profile work. So you have this actress that's you know somewhat known on the rise, and you waste her completely. What she has maybe two lines, oh, plus one, and that's it. She gets some coffee. Right. Karen's incredibly important, and the more I'm doing uh, right now, as we record this, I'm doing Daredevil Yellow, mm-hmm. and I'm realizing more and more just how important she is to the overall just method or pardon me, method pardon mythology <laughs> of Daredevil. Yeah, it would it, waste her.
0: It it does it doesn't make sense. But then again, uh, even you know, for those people that aren't steeped in Daredevil lore, they know Elektra. Mm-hmm. Except for the Netflix series, your average Marvel fan doesn't necessarily know Karen Page. They may know yeah. what eventually happened to her, just as a you know a, a bit of trivia. But they don't know her relationship with Daredevil. So, That's true. Uh, it it I can see it as a marketing thing is, you know, what is one of the iconic shots of Miller's Daredevil? Bullseye well, stabbing Electric. Yeah, and everything that it implies. Right.
2: Which is funny that for the, the rating they got, the PG-13, one of the things they had to cut as Bullseye is stabbing her through the chest with her own sigh, implicating rape, of course, mm. very heavily. One of the things they had to cut is you, he can't kiss her before he stabs her. I kid you not. <laughs> wow! He <laughs> can't. If you can, he can stab her, or he can kiss her. You can't do both. You can't make this stuff up. No, I wish I could. <laughs>
0: wow, that—that's insane. I mean, you. Uh.
2: Well, I think, and maybe the mentality was that kiss takes the rape allegory just a step too far into from subtext into almost text. Mm. That's the only justification I can see,
0: but it's still, it—it does. It it's whatever yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay enough, enough about electric for now <laughs> but now keeping in mind that we're coming off of an absolutely brilliant performance by vincent d'onofrio mm-hmm. as wilson fisk i love what they did with him now keep in mind people i've only seen the first season so far but i love how he played fisk and everything however michael clark duncan is the kingpin right out of the comics. Yes. He is just brilliant in this movie. He's a he's the correct mass, <laughs> the correct <Yeah. laughs> the correct size, and he's got the the perfect attitude of I control everything. Even these people that don't think I control them, I control them. And it's it's just terrific. I love the affectation that they have with the rose. That it plays through all the way through the movie. That plays all the way through the movie and it reflects again the comics, because what identity did Fisk's son take to close yes. it? <laughs> the rose. It's perfect.
2: Well you actually not only the rose because you just made a scene pop into my head, at the very end when, when Matt drops the rose after defeating Kingpin and taking the high road, mm-hmm. you hear this this piano sting. I was listening to the score. It's on Spotify. You can also find it on YouTube this score is extremely underrated. It's yeah. by Graham Revell. Uh, he did The Crow in Crow City of Angels, and it's it blends into the movie just fine. You don't notice it. It doesn't stand out. But if you listen to it independently, there's a lot of textures to it.
0: Hmm. I'm gonna and that's something that, that could now. be
2: said for the movie as a whole.
0: Yeah, and that's something that when I I first saw it in the theater, I enjoyed it. You know, it wasn't a uh, Batman 89, oh my god, They've, you know, they've nailed this part of the character or, you know, the, the story was, I, I love Batman when I first saw, it. I still love mm-hmm. it today. Daredevil, I saw it in the theater and I was like, okay, from my limited knowledge, they did that really well. Yeah. And I'm not a huge Daredevil guy. I had several individual issues because when I was growing up, it was, uh, you get what you can get. Yeah, what's on the spinner rack? Right. And so I had a few... I had some issues. Uh, One I remember was with Blackheart.
2: Ooh, the Innocenti John Romita Jr. era.
0: Yeah, it was the... It was on... Blackheart was on the... It was on the cover. They were fighting in the snow, is what I remember. And it was a psychological issue. It wasn't... They never... in, In the issue, Daredevil and Blackheart never actually fought... It was Matt imagining that Blackheart was there, like, taunting him about... I can't remember much more than that, but it was it was a very well-done issue. It was the, this man has a lot of Catholic guilt yes. kind of thing, and which is another thing they do very well in this movie. But, you know, I, so I had that. I had more issues of other titles that had Daredevil in them, like the... Secret Wars two crossover with Fantastic Four, where Sue Storm is has become Malice That's uh. the issue where they <laughs> reveal who Malice actually is, and Daredevil's there with Reed Richards, and he he comes in, and he asks Richards, why are you fighting a blob? Because his radar sense detects the force field, yeah, and not you know the person inside it. So I I know Daredevil more from his interactions with other heroes than his own series. So. But when I saw the movie from what I knew that was you know that makes sense that's that's Daredevil as I I can relate to him
2: yeah and for 98 uh 95 percent of the movie there's nothing there that wasn't somewhat in the comic right it it was it was true to the character to a greater extent than it was it deviated in small portions but not by much the biggest deviation is that Kingpin of course is responsible for jack's death
0: yeah and that's a uh, again, it's a Batman '89 thing. Yeah. It's, we must make the Joker responsible for the Wayne's murder. Which, in both instances, I think it worked. Yeah, it, it's it's a way to tie the major character, the major villain, in with the hero without this elaborate building up to it.
1: It's mm-hmm.
0: oh, that's the, that's the person that did it. Therefore, I must take that person down.
2: Yes which the final conflict has been compared to a boss battle in a video game, and that part I can't really deny.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, so another nice thing that they had in this was uh, all the creator names mm-hmm. in there. Like, in the, was it, uh, it's the final fight before Murdoch, Jack Murdoch is killed, it's Jack Murdoch versus John Ramita. Yeah. And they talk about Men- Bendis, Mac, Miller. Right. And then Kevin Smith's character, the medical examiner, is named Kirby. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that if you look closely at his screen,
2: he's on a forum for, for morgue attendance. <laughs> but, uh, well, I mean, extending from that, you have a great performance from Joe Pantelano, uh that guy, Joey Pants. Yes. I can never say his name.
0: Pantiliano.
2: Pantiliano.
0: I'm Italian. As, I can say it.
2: Gotcha. <laughs> Phil Urich, uh came to the screen masterfully.
0: Oh, he did. And its he's got the crusading reporter down mm-hmm. in this. He's after the Kingpin and Daredevil, but he also, you see that sense of honor in him. He figures out who Daredevil is, and he's got the expose written, and then realizes, no, I can he can do more good if his identity remains secret. Yeah. And deletes the whole thing.
2: Oh, I love that scene. And, and a lot of people's complaints were, well, the delete button doesn't work like that, but you're overthinking it.
0: <laughs> I don't have a print button on my keyboard either. Yeah. Which is next <laughs> to the delete button on his, which for a reporter, not the best button placement. Oh, yeah. No. Let me print that for you. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, that's too easily done sometimes.
0: Yeah. Oh, um, and. Not that I wasn't paying attention to you, but I just looked it up. And the issue that I had was Daredevil 278.
2: 278, okay. I was looking at it, too. I thought it was 280. But I, I see what you, Yeah, I know the one you're talking about, Anna Sinti. She did a lot of that. She played with a lot of dark corners. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, they they give her run some flack. But I think it stands up a lot, up to Miller, even.
0: From from what I know, I I haven't read much of of any creator, except I have read now. Thanks. Thank you, Marvel Unlimited. I I have read the first six issues of Daredevil.
2: Which, because, the Mark Wade?
0: No. The, oh, the, the original. Okay. <laughs> the yellow costume. Gotcha. Uh, because I, my current reading project, when I'm not distracted by other things, is I've went to the, uh, complete Marvel reading order. Mm-hmm. Print out the first... List that I could get of everything in order starting before Fantastic Four number one, and oh, I'm wow. reading them in order. And a lot of that, I, I'm surprised at how much Golden Age is actually available on Unlimited now.
2: Yeah, so well, if it's not available there. There are other places.
0: Yeah, well, when I say before Fantastic Four, I mean things like. Uh, was it a journey into mystery? I can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, where, uh, well, wherever the mimic first appears. Oh wow. Because <laughs> because it's before X-Men. But Stan Lee created this character who was a mutant in this throwaway sci-fi story. Well, after they he created the X-Men, he said, Well, that character's a mutant, let me bring him back, and that's where the mimic came from. So kind
2: of in a similar Ant Man scenario.
0: It, yeah, exactly. Except this guy ended up being a villain. Yeah. With the worst fashion sense ever. <laughs> You're being too nice. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I I've read the very, very beginnings of Daredevil plus what I had read as a kid. Mm. So I don't I don't have a lot of comparison beyond your show. Because I I that's part of the reason I like listening to your show is because you describe these issues and storylines. I'm like, oh, okay. I can, I can get behind that. When I get there, that's going to be a fun read.
2: Yeah. Oh, you're in for some bumpy roads, but there's some gold in there, too.
0: I've read Strange Tales. I know what a bumpy road is with Marvel. Ooh.
2: Now, Strange Tales, as far as the Doctor Strange era? Human Torch. Okay, never
0: mind. I have <laughs> I, 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 It is now I'm reading the Doctor Strange stuff, which is very interesting, because I, I enjoy Doctor Strange comics. Yeah. Uh, so it's nice to see where that stuff comes from and just see you know Steve Ditko go off into Weirdsville and have fun.
2: I've been reading through that too. So it's it there is some amazing stuff in there by the way.
0: Oh yeah. But the whole thing with Yeah, Johnny, we the whole town here was just pretending that you had a secret identity. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you I know what you feel the, okay about yourself, kid. <laughs> I know what the rough road is. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, I had, I had, I'd never read any of that until I heard it on the Fantastic Cast. I'm like, It can't be that bad. Oh, yes, it can. Yes, it can.
0: Yes, it can.
2: <laughs> hey, Spot, Pete is your your marquee villain. Something's wrong.
0: Hmm. Or the wizard. <laughs> Not <laughs> the better. wingless wizard. The wizard. Another guy who should have been completely content to patent his inventions and let the money roll in. Yep. <laughs> uh, but you know what's good? Daredevil. Daredevil. <laughs> uh stole that one from jack and eddie (laughs) but uh we were talking about
2: joey pants and phil yurik and and you know i think favreau was also just the 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 supporting cast was just as strong as the main cast
0: oh it was i and really favreau did a, a great job with being the you know, I really want to succeed here, Matt. <laughs> Can we stop crusading <laughs> yeah, once? I don't, I don't want to pay my rent, Matt. <laughs> yeah. I can't pay it with basketballs, Matt. <laughs> Swish. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he did a great job. And yeah. It's, it's not to take anything away from, you know, the other interpretation of Foggy. But, you know, for the amount of time he was on the screen, it worked very well. It, and he was... He was a way to get into Matt's head, too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, the arguments with the alligators in the sewers and everything.
2: <laughs> well, there's also subtleties in the interactions with Foggy.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: the whole conversation between the two of them and, and the message from his girlfriend at the beginning of the movie is, no, nope, Matt's not letting anybody in. Right. He's he's guarded and he's a fortress. If you look at the last time Foggy and Matt talk, Matt's not in a suit. This is on a Saturday. This isn't, let's get ready for work and talk about our day. This is, let's socialize.
0: Right, let's go hang out.
2: Yeah, and that's a big step, and it's very, very subtle, and I didn't catch it until I listened to the actual uh, commentary years mm. later. And then I'm just like, really? I need to go back and re-examine this.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, and you know what? Part of what I like about doing this sub-show, Legends of Superheroes, is I get to do that. I get to go back and re-examine these things, things that, I knew I liked. Didn't didn't know quite why, you know. Or uh, the show that everyone else will have heard last month, because believe it or not, people, I'm actually working ahead for once. <laughs> but the show that has not been released as of now, but that everyone will have heard last month, was I recorded with Darren and Ruth Sutherland about Buck Rogers. Ooh. The Gil Gerard show. Yeah. And it's one of those things... I've got the DVDs. Do I pull them out and watch them? No. Until I had the excuse to do it on this show. It's like, like Daredevil. I haven't seen that since I probably bought the DVDs when it was out. <laughs> and do you realize this movie is 13 years old? Yeah, I thought about that.
2: It's, I mean, just a little over too. Like a 13 years and one month.
0: Yeah, it's, oh man.
2: <laughs> and see, I can still remember where I was. I had so much anticipation for this movie because, it, you know, it's my guy. Right. It's Daredevil. And what have I had in my lifetime? We had Trial of the Incredible Hulk, which you can take or leave. Mm-hmm. It has its charms. Yeah. You had uh, the Spider-Man the Animated Series episodes right. that are on the Spider-Man vs. Daredevil DVD. Which I have. Yeah. <laughs> I have it, too. And <laughs> Daredevil sounds very geriatric there. <laughs> and then you had a couple of episodes of Fantastic 4 mm-hmm. or just It was actually just one based on two issues. And suddenly he's in a full screen, you know, full release, somewhat big budget movie with big names. Yeah, with big names. Although I have to admit, I was actually I remember being disappointed when it was Ben Affleck that was cast because one of the big rumors that had been persistent was Matt Damon. I'm like, yes, get Matty in there. And I think would he have been a better Daredevil? Maybe he would have been a different Daredevil.
0: Yeah, I could see where he would he would be. He would be good in the role. I don't know how if I would like him better or worse, though. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, Affleck did an amazing job. Yeah. So I have, I have no complaints as far as that goes.
2: No, he looked... Yeah. As much as he dislikes talking about him being in that costume, it looked fine. Oh, yeah. It looked yeah. far better in the third act when he buttoned it up. It <laughs> more proper, but it looked good on the screen. It was practical. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's really... When you think about Daredevil, you would think that his outfit would have to be practical Mm -hmm. just because he doesn't have a healing factor he doesn't have super strength he needs all the protection he can get so that leather outfit made sense and that's that was the whole reason in the netflix show why he ended up with it is because he was sick of getting stabbed and shot (laughs) and everything all the time which he did Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm
2: But, yeah, I mean, it, th- there was a lot of care that went into this movie. I think the right attitude was there. Mark Stephen Johnson hasn't made a lot of great movies. I mean, I'll just say that. Ghost Rider was Ghostwriter. <laughs> I like Ghost Rider. I don't dislike it, but I can't say it's a good movie. I think this is a, a light years ahead of that. Right.
0: I, I would agree with you there.
2: But Mark Stephen Johnson came into this as a director who did, uh, I can't remember the name of the movie, Billy Elliot. Oh, yes. It was, it was, it was a family you know drama. Mm-hmm. He he had never done an action movie before, and he came in as mentioned. He came in expecting to do this low budget, street level movie that was supposed to be released in the the wastelands of winter and with no big expectation. And the studio changed that around on him. And I think he stepped he actually stepped up to the plate for for the for the most part.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, essentially, what happened to him is what happened to. Gene Roddenberry was Star Trek the motion picture. Mhm. Because they were that was supposed to be Star Trek phase 2, the TV series. Yes. Until this little thing that I don't know if you people have heard of, it's called Star Wars happened. And then Paramount's <laughs> like, uh no 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 no. We need something to compete with that. <laughs> Make it a big budget movie and it's still one of my favorite sci-fi movies ever. So I have no complaints.
2: I, I'm middle of the road with motion picture. Wrath of Khan is still, it's where I found my love of Star Trek. I can see it's, that. It's where I've always rediscovered it, because it came on HBO, and I'm, I decided, you know, for years I thought I was Star Wars. Nope, I'm actually more Star Trek. Mm.
0: Well, you see, uh, this is well-trodden ground on this show, but the first science fiction thing that I love, the very, very first that I remember, is Star Trek The Motion Picture.
2: mm I think that'd be right around mine because I remember them walking on the saucer.
0: Yeah, see, I, the the main memory I have is when the travel pod turns around and Kirk gets his first full view of the refit Enterprise.
2: Yeah, okay.
0: And, and it, it still brings a lump to my throat whenever I watch that because that's my first view of the Enterprise ever. And it's
2: probably the best design of any Enterprise, to be honest with you. It's definitely my personal favorite.
0: Oh, yes, I love the movie Enterprise. It is, it is gorgeous. So, but then again, that ended up with me cheating because I saw Star Trek The Motion Picture, then it's like, oh, I like Star Trek. Ooh, Channel 11 shows Star Trek.
1: Ooh. Oh,
0: this is, <laughs> no, it's, I enjoyed the TV show because it was sci-fi. It, was, it made you think and everything, but it's like Spock got hit in the back with his flying pierogi, and now he's <laughs> blind. But he's not blind in the movie, so I knew he had to get his sight back by the end of the episode.
2: Well, plus, I mean, you... The special effects difference had to be a mind blower. So Kirk throws a rock at the Gorn, bounces off the Gorn, the rock has a dent in it.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, but you also have to remember that I was raised on movies like the original King Kong Ooh. and the original God, you know, Showa era Godzilla movies and things like that.
2: So your expectations were already.
0: My, I I knew different era, different special effects, even as a kid. I knew that, plus, uh, it was better than H.R. Puff and stuff, so I was happy <laughs> with it. And any younger listeners are now looking at their iPod and saying, what the hell are you talking
2: about? H.R. Puff and what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which I watched. Yes, this this show is full of tangents, but it had to be three or four, three years because my daughter wasn't yet in kindergarten, and it was it was on like Netflix or something, HR Puff and stuff. So, oh, what the hell? Let's let's watch the first episode. I'm watching oh this. God. I'm like, <laughs> how many drugs were these people taking? <laughs> All of them. Exactly. You you <laughs> look at it. And it's like, boy, this is trippy. <laughs> <laughs> my parents let me watch this, huh?
2: <laughs> uh, I, I found out more, more and more our childhood lied. However. <laughs> <laughs> You just it, it just occurred to me. Yes, we were talking about uh, older cartoons, things of that nature, children's shows. To tell you how how bad this movie could have been, there was a, a Daredevil cartoon in development in the eighties with ABC. And the really? concept was yeah, yeah. It, it it got to the point where there were storyboards or or uh, designs made,
1: mm.
2: and it shows Daredevil, his cast, and his dog Lightning. What? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs>
0: Was you she going to be a... the playmate of Miss Lion? The, uh... it, yeah, your right
2: mentality, exact right mentality. Okay. <laughs> so Dare- Daredevil and his amazing friends. <laughs> yeah, Lightning the Wonder Dog. Uh, Mark Wade oh. actually made light of that in uh, Daredevil 1.50, so <laughs> it's not completely forgotten. But we could have ended up with that if the studio said, yes, give us Spider-Man and Daredevil. Could have gone a different direction, folks. It could have gone very, very badly. And Wow. I, the movie gets so much hate. Mm. It's put up there with Batman and Robin. And you can feel what you want about Batman and Robin. I think it has certain... It, it's aged better than I thought it would. It's It's got an amusement quality to it.
0: It Batman and Robin, and I haven't watched it recently, but Batman and Robin is Adam West without Adam West. Yeah. And yes. if you go into it looking at it like that, it's okay.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't think Daredevil represents that at all. No, it doesn't represent an Adam West style was some of the decisions were some of the decisions made the ones that should have been made. No. And I think Andrew Leyland probably said it best when he said they they basically made a rock video. And it hmm. was there was a certain a certain uh, lean towards, you know, visual aesthetic versus substance in ca- in some cases.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can see that.
2: But it was not devoid of substance.
0: No, it 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 had a a lot there. Especially when you just Matt's character arc through it.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. he goes from basically being as low as he can get. Because his father died when he was 12. Left him all alone after lying to him that he wasn't working for this mob boss. Mm-hmm. Manages to put himself through law school, etc. He's defending these hopeless cases. And then when he loses him, he goes out and beats a snot out of people, dressed as a devil. Doesn't have any friends. Foggy doesn't count. Foggy is his business partner. Mm -hmm. Trying to be his friend. Yes. Doesn't have any social life. And gets to the point where he's beaten the tar out of somebody in front of a kid, and the kid thinks he's the bad guy. And that sets him on a better path where you get to the end of the movie and he doesn't kill Fisk, even though he has every intention and every, in his mind, right to do it. He does not kill Fisk, leaves him for the authorities. And why not? Because he says it right there. I'm not the bad guy.
2: Yeah. Well, here's the thing, and we've we've not talked about it yet, but Bullseye represents mm. how Matt could have gone down a different path. Bullseye is chaos. He is, and, and a lot of people gripe about Colin Farrell's performance. I think it's fun.
0: I have no problem with it. He plays such an excellent psychopath.
2: Yeah. And I've never, I've always thought that Bullseye should be like the Joker. Don't give him a backstory. Or if it's a backstory, make it multiple choice. He's just here to kill people and be crazy as <laughs> as <laughs> That's That's Bullseye's job.
0: Yeah, and he was. He was yeah.
2: he was so far around the bend. But yeah. that, you know, Matt co- saw, no pun intended, what he could have been. He mm-hmm. could be that ruthless. He could be that. And nobody, I've never heard anybody m- make that point that, you know, there's a cracked reflection right in front of Matt. And he's like, I've got to choose a different path.
0: Yeah, because he sees how far it could go. Yeah. And he he still goes to confession,
1: Mm-hmm.
0: not in the correct spirit of it, but he still goes <laughs> to confession. Because, like the priest says, he says, you're not here for forgiveness. You're here for permission. Yeah. And... Having been raised Catholic, no longer Catholic, but having been raised Catholic, I know you're supposed to go in actually feeling sorry for what you did. He doesn't. He do, He's doing it out of, I need somebody to tell me it's okay. Yeah. And that's the only reason he goes to confession and talks to the priest, and the priest keeps trying to bring him back to the, the proper path, and eventually does, which is why at the end he's, he says, go get him, my son.
2: And Father Everett, that's an I almost forgot about Everett. <laughs> another character or another creator name, Bill mm-hmm. Everett. Yeah. That oh. was one I mean, it's an original character and I I, I I I've never been completely settled with the priest knowing the secret. And of mm. course, it does lead to great jokes, like I'm not crazy about the outfit. <laughs> but I see why they did it. Um especially when you compare it to the director's cut, you can tell, okay, this expediates the movie tenfold. And that's not that's a that's not a cut that I mind. Mm. In the long run, if you're going to do, if you're wanting to expediate some of this along, that Father Everett character really does put things on the table in a more clear fashion.
0: And really, the priest would know mm-hmm. because Matt would have told him. He would have told him in confession, which means the priest can't tell anyone else. Ah, that's that's the way confession works. You, your confessor, unless he knew Matt was going to kill somebody he wouldn't he is not allowed to tell anybody it's that's the whole point of it is you're able to confess your skin your sins completely and without reservation because you know this person's not going to go gossip about you or hopefully well, <laughs> that's that, the goal <laughs> that's that's the way it's supposed to work and that's so it makes sense to me that when matt was really getting into this he would have gone to confession and he would have told the priest about it Kind of like he did in the Netflix series. Right. Although, in the Netflix series, the, the that father kind of figured it out on his own. True. Yeah, because it was a roundabout way of telling <laughs> him. But this, this, I believe that Ben Affleck's Matt Murdock would have come right out and say, forgive me, father, for I've sinned. I... Put on a devil costume and beat someone almost to death last night. Yeah. <laughs> At which point it would have had a much longer conversation with the priest. <laughs> but he wouldn't be able to tell anyone because he didn't kill him. So the priest's hands are tied according to ecclesiastic law. So essentially that's that's Matt's safe place. Yeah. it's That is his Jonathan and Martha Kent. Gotcha. That's where he can go to actually be himself. Not Matt Murdock blind lawyer who refuses to believe daredevil exists and not man in <laughs> costume letting some scumbag get run over by the sea train
2: which i i will defend that scene a little bit the the scumbag that got run over kind of did it to himself a he lot of did. people are like daredevil kills well daredevil was there i don't know exactly what he intended to do exactly how he was going to meter out justice i think we can assume maybe this was his, his intent but Kazada, the character Kazada actually came at Daredevil. Daredevil defended himself in a time of weakness. Kazada ends up on the tracks at a point where Daredevil's not going to be able to get him back off of
0: there. Right. The the only person that he Daredevil killed in the movie and you can make a case that he didn't is Bullseye. Ah,
2: nope. Bullseye there's a there's a post-credit sleep scene. Mm. So Bullseye actually does live. He's just in a full body cast.
0: Right, which was also something right out of the comics. Yes. Right out of uh, the
2: late Miller run,
0: right after 181, after Elektra. Right. So Daredevil doesn't actually murder anybody. He may not go out of his way to save people, (laughs) but he doesn't out-and-out kill anyone. Yeah. So he hasn't crossed that line yet, and that's, by the end of the movie, you know he's not ever going to cross that line. Yeah. He's going for a higher ideal. Right. Finally.
2: Well, and that's the thing, is Daredevil's an imperfect character. That's why I can do, I I don't know how many episodes I have left, you know, for my show Dave's Daredevil Podcast. I don't see the end in sight yet because there's so much to talk about because of those imperfections. Mm -hmm. You put him up against Superman. Eventually with Superman, you're going to run out of imperfections. He's kind of the ideal. Matt Matt has moments where he's a complete jerk. (laughs) Yeah. He completely blows it.
0: And as you had in, as of... When we're recording this, the episode you just released last Sunday in Daredevil Yellow, there's examples of him showing Karen, yes, this is exactly who I promised my father I would be. This is how, you know, I'm using my brain, not my brawn. <laughs> oh, you're not here anymore? Let me beat the snot out of yes. these guys. <laughs> really good scene. Yeah.
2: And I, 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 I think Daredevil Yellow has been showing me a lot about the character, which going into the movie once again. There's a lot of that in there, those imperfections that he's just a guy. I've not done perfectly in relationships Mm -hmm. or made perfect life choices. I don't know anybody that has. I'd be terrified of that person, to be honest with you. (laughs) Really, yeah. Yeah. And that's Matt. He makes the mistakes we would on the level of a superhero. Mm -hmm. He saves Bullseye when maybe he probably should have left him on the tracks. And then he has to live with that. And that's what we see here is Matt making these mistakes Trying to rectify them, you see a man starting to learn to live with these and move forward.
1: Which, it's is,
2: a, it, if a, if, it's, if it doesn't sound too cheesy, it's a it's a story of healing in all reality.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's it almost makes me sorry that there wasn't a sequel to this movie because I mm-hmm. would I would have liked to see a more heroic daredevil yeah. in the movie.
2: Nope, we went a different direction. They went with Elektra. Well, that's the title. You know, it's a movie I've never seen because I never had any desire to see it.
0: Yeah, I've never that and Catwoman. I have never seen <laughs> because there's I don't I don't see the point in having a migraine. Yeah, <laughs> that, I may possibly check out the the new stick movie when it comes on FX or something. I won't check out either of those. No. <laughs> well,
2: I think uh, the Fantastic. Yeah, that looks bad enough. To I, just be entertaining,
0: I could MST that that movie.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's it's hard to do when a movie does it for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think I caught something on. It was on FX, like you said, Electra. And I think I watched maybe ten minutes. I'm like, nope, done. That's supposed to be Typhoid Mary. I don't I don't understand what you're doing here. <laughs>
0: that's, that's about nine and a half minutes longer than I thought you would last. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: well, I thought well, Terrence Stamp is in it.
2: He, he'd make a good stick. Turns out Scott Glenn was born to play the role, but
0: well, yeah, yeah. Turned sawd into stick worked for me. <laughs> no, not worth it. Yeah, well, see Chancellor Valorum for how Terrence Stamp doesn't exactly have the best roles. <laughs> I will not go any further than that.
1: <laughs> no need to.
2: <laughs> he cashed the check. I uh, don't blame him. No. <laughs> You want to offer me
0: how much to show up and get overruled? Fair enough. I'll talk <laughs> to the rubber puppet. <laughs> I'll do whatever you say. As long as there's a paycheck in it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you actually, rubber puppet brings up the special effects. We kind of hit on that a little bit. Right. This movie, I'm trying to think of the time frame. Blade 2 would have come out maybe four months. No, it would have been about a year. I'm sorry. Because Blade 2 was at the end of 2001, beginning of 2002, right in there. Mm-hmm. Blade 2 was the beginning of a very experimental time, to call it something nice, in CGI. Blade 2 had these memorable scenes of CGI that were terrible. Blade fighting these people in front of these giant lights, and it was like uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the Christmas special. (laughs) It didn't look realistic, it didn't look dynamic, it looked crappy. Daredevil was that a notch up. There were moments where the CGI looked great. Mm Mm-hmm. And then there were there were things like the the chapel fight on top of the giant organ oh, yeah. which apparently bats live in there. I don't know if that's a real thing in giant cathedrals that bats hang out in in the organ pipes that somehow don't have holes at the top, but I'd be terrified if it was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's although technically I think they were living behind the pipe. Ah, but even so, I mean it's that's not a belfry. No, (laughs) Bats aren't supposed to be there. Uh, So, yeah, that was... Now, I have to say, when they had the CGI Daredevil going around the rooftops, that was done pretty well. For
2: the most part, yeah. When he's flipping on uh, clotheslines. Yeah. mm -hmm.
0: But that could also be because it was darker. Yes. So you you didn't quite see it. uh, Whereas the chapel fight was better lit and... Really more in your face.
2: Yeah, and you had Bullseye who di- didn't have a masked cowl.
0: Right. And that's where some of the tells start showing. <laughs> and uh, that's a that's a question I had for you, because one of Carol- Colin Farrell's lines in this is, I want a bloody costume. <laughs> why doesn't he get a costume? Uh, so apparently th- it was in, in the original script he did. Then why leave the line in? It comes
2: off sarcastic.
0: Ah, Okay. If, if you say so.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the way I always read it was I kind of, you know, I want a bloody costume just being not sarcastic. But, yeah, I guess sarcastic would be the only way I would. I don't know the exact term I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. But it was, I don't think he actually, the way they wrote it, he wasn't really wanting one in oh, this version. Okay. He was just like, yeah, I want to look like that guy.
0: It's just the way the way I have always heard him say that line is, you know, get your tailor on the phone. <laughs> And then it never happens, so no. it's like, either you cut the line, or you have Farrell redo the close-up where it's more obvious that it's it's sarcasm or him just being flip about it.
1: Yeah.
0: It, it's just something that didn't work for me, and it might have just been, they always intended to go back and give him the costume, and it they actually ran out of money, or it, that they may tried it... They tried it, and it actually just didn't
2: work. I've never heard why he didn't get a costume. I don't know the. I wonder how Bullseye's costume would play out with what they were
0: doing the the costume designs in that movie. If you made it like black leather, hmm. like you basically you make it a, a black or a dark blue version of Daredevil's costume with the white emblem on the 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 cowl. Yeah, okay. I, I think it would work well. I can Be, see that, and you already have. A template for it. yes yeah yeah, you know, take this, change the color, add that, and well, you
2: Yeah, the costume idea. That's that's kind of where the movie was moving through a confusing f- idea. Is this is this a street level hero? Are mm. we a superhero? Are we a, a gritty drama? And I think that uh, the costume got nixed because well, if we put him in the costume now, it's a straight up superhero. We lose this element. The okay. movie's basically walking this tightrope the
0: whole time. I would not want to be involved in that production. No, there was so much pressure on him to take something that wasn't Spider-Man and make it Spider-Man. Yeah. And And the thing
2: is, it was successful. It was a financially successful movie. mm -hmm. People seem to remember it as being a bomb. No, it actually at one time set the President's Day weekend record.
0: Well, most people that I, I know, or at least I hear, speak about things like this is they will retroactively make a movie a bomb Mm -hmm. to justify their position on it. So like Man of Steel, for example, a lot of people do not like that movie. It was a very successful movie. Extremely. So you can't say, oh, it was was a bomb. No, it wasn't. (laughs) I don't care how much you dislike it. People paid money to go see it. I paid money to go see Mm -hmm. it because it's a Superman movie and I'm a Superman guy.
2: I woke up at 5 a.m. to get the advance tickets. Turns out I was the only person in line.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, ever since the advent of the multi-screen theater, and by this I mean more than four screens in one movie theater, mm-hmm. I've not stood in line for any movie. So, like, best example I could give you would be Star Wars Episode One, which is 17 years ago.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh.
0: Holy crap. <laughs> but, um, I was in college, my roommate and I went, we had the day off, you know, no classes that day, so we went out to the movie theater, a few miles from campus, we drove out there, and it's like, oh, okay, well, we'll, we'll buy, you know, you'll buy two tickets, I'll buy two tickets, so we can bring our girlfriends tonight, this was like ten thirty in the morning, so, so we figured, oh, well, if well we go buy them now, we won't have to wait in line, etc. So, we're there, and it's like, oh, there's a showing in ten minutes. Okay, give me two tickets for this showing, but give me one for the one coming up. (laughs) So, it's like, obviously, I don't have to wait in line. I don't have to buy these advanced tickets. Now, keep in mind, the theater I go to does not have those recliners that you have to specify where you're sitting or any of that. I just go to a movie theater. So, I go up, I know when the showtime is, I buy the ticket. I don't get up early, I don't wait in line. You don't need to anymore. (laughs) I, at the last minute for The Force Awakens, this was the Friday night it opened. I was in Philadelphia for a work meeting, and the work meeting happened to be, I kid you not, two buildings away from the apartment building a friend of mine lives in. So I called him and say, "Hey, you know, after I'm done with this meeting, do you want, you know, hang out, have dinner, etc." So we did, and I didn't leave Philadelphia until like 11:30 at night. Well, on the way back, that's where my the local theater I go to is. So, I haven't seen it yet. Let me It's not that far off my route. Let me go over and see what they Oh, yeah, there's plenty of tickets for this showing that starts in 15 minutes. All right, give me one. That's completely opposite of what I have. Of course, I'm in the Midwest.
2: (laughs) I mean, the house I live in is literally the very edge of town before things start getting rural. You know, there are farms across the highway from us. And there's three major theaters in town. Okay. Two of them are, I think I measured, it was like eight miles apart. All basically a big triangle. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And this is a college town. ah. So it's what I call the human flocking mechanism. (laughs) It's like when I went to see Jurassic World. I, I showed up, it's the next, it's the week after release mm-hmm. and I'm meeting my father-in-law, my wife, my brother-in-law, and my, my nephew. I show up two hours early because I just happen to be in the neighborhood and like, I'll pick up the tickets and check out the line because I bought them in advance online. I start looking like, Hey, where's the line? This is, this is an hour and a half early. They're like, Oh yeah, it's all the way down there. I'm like, are you kidding me? Because the mentality here in this, in this town, because of its size and the fact that it's basically overcrowded, everybody rushes at once. Aha. Same thing with Force Awakens. Walked in two hours before uh, an 8 o'clock showing or something like that. We showed up hours in advance mm-hmm. and said, okay, I want tickets for this. Well, it's sold out. But there's IMAX available. So we ended up waiting two hours to get into IMAX. So I, I, I've I, gotten to the point where going to the movie theater has gotten more frustrating than ever before because there's nothing on the opposite end of town. Everybody comes to this end of town. Everybody flocks to these theaters.
0: Uh, you know, if, if you ever want to make a mint open a movie theater on the other end of town
1: yeah yeah
0: (laughs) well they were in the in the up until the late
2: 90s there were movie theaters basically at every corner of town there'd be six theaters on one four theaters on another and then they opened up an eight which expanded to 11 and then 16 and those are the ones that everybody went to Mm -hmm. so back in the day it was dispersed more evenly including the theaters in the mall not anymore all consolidated into one spot
0: yeah, I guess uh, just due to proximity of major metropolitan area. Even though <laughs> even though I ha- the mortgage on my house is a USDA loan because we're in we are in farm country where I live, but proximity of Philadelphia means we just have more stuff available. Yeah. It spreads out a little bit more. That's and that's not bad. No. I I have no complaints.
1: Yeah. Well,
2: then again, when I lived in like Kansas City, you know, major metropolitan area like you never waited in line, mm-hmm. showed up to see the movie, bought it at, at the time of, of viewing, no issues. So it's just the difference between smaller, mid-level town, I guess, and med- real cities. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it depends on you know where in that tier you are. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well,
2: then you, I mean, I could go on a rant on just how, you know, as a teenager, I loved going to movies. You mm-hmm. just get lost in the movie. It's in most, at that time, there were no cell phones. Right. People went in, they watched the movie quietly, they left. Now, you know, I've got glaring screens distracting me. You've got people who will ritualistically, I don't know when this changed, but they take, you know, children who are not age appropriate oh, into that, the theaters.
0: That drives me bananas.
2: And then, and we're talking infants in some cases, and they don't take them out of the auditorium when they're crying. Ugh. Now,
0: being a parent, <laughs> I know how tempting it is to bring mm-hmm. a child to a movie theater. My daughter, I have to say, is one of the most well-behaved children I know. But even so, she did not go to her first movie theater. Well, let me look up the actual year that was.
2: Which movie was
0: it? Four. Uh 2010. 2011. Well, okay, it was close. So, she was not quite three when we, took her, right. when we took her to Thor. She slept most of it. She actually did uh, get up on, this is a three-year-old, get up on the seat and cheer when Odin arrived on Slepnir <laughs> in Jotunheim. But that's because pony. Yes. <laughs> but she slept most of it. Yeah, but even I, so, I'm, I'm aware of the issue here. Yeah. I'm aware that there I have a child who could disturb other patrons. Like, we just went on Sunday, because Turner Classic Movies is a wonderful company, and they had a the 60th anniversary showing of The Ten Commandments. Ooh. And it was playing in our local theater. This is a movie that has an overture, an intermission... And an interact day, right after the intermission, roughly four hours of movie. I forgot how long it really is. And she had the flu like two weeks ago and still has a cough. So what did I do before we went to see it? I said, come here. I don't care how much you don't like it. Take this cough medicine. Mm-hmm. She also knows enough. If she has to go to the bathroom, she asks quietly to leave the auditorium. So well, I... There- I take great pains to be, you know, conscientious of other people in the theater.
2: And the flip side is, sometimes you have to give a little leeway. If a child is asking questions, okay, let it slide. Unless they're yelling, but quietly asking questions, normal indoor voice, Mm -hmm. oh, okay, okay. Not bouncing around like a monkey on crack.
0: Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Not, and... I can kind of let it slide in the, in the one instance because when the Godzilla, the most recent Godzilla movie came out, I went to see it alone because I didn't, I didn't know what it was going to be like on the big screen. It's a heck of a lot scarier than on TV. So I wanted to make sure, Hey, is this going to be okay? Opening weekend. There are people with like six year olds in the theater. You're talking about giant on the big, you know, big screen. So really giant monsters eating people. (laughs) It's not exactly appropriate for that age group. Now, I don't know if the kids weren't paying attention or if it was a very good parent, but I didn't hear them at all during the film. No, good. So good, good for them. I don't think they should have been brought there, but thank you for
2: controlling them. Then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got the people that took their kids to see Watchmen. I saw them walk in. I'm like, are you kidding me? Uy. Eight, 12, right in there. Still, Watchmen is, is definitely a hard, I'd say 16, 17. There's a lot there. Oh, yeah. Especially in the movie when, you know, there's a flaccid penis mm-hmm. through 80% of it. The people left around the love scene. <laughs> the love scene is heading into the third act of the movie. After you have Dr. Manhattan blowing up the Viet Cong, his, his blue phallus waving around and you wait until this point, this is this is the point that's too far, not the comedian shooting the the woman he impregnated in the belly. No, no, right. Yeah. Somebody being naked. Okay. <laughs> uh, do a little bit of research. Yeah. What well, does have an R rating, sir? Mm hmm. <laughs> but you no know what
0: reason you, for that? <laughs> but you know what has a PG thirteen rating? Daredevil. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I did watch the first, just due to the way the schedules work. Between my wife working, my daughter being in softball, and Girl Scouts, when I get home, other factors. I didn't actually get to watch the movie, begin it, until last night after softball practice. (laughs) So we watched the first hour last night, Kira and I. So she she was, this is after she had her shower, ready for bed, laying on, on the couch with me. She's seven. Gotcha. So I was just, you know, watching her everything make sure she's okay but she's she's a very intelligent child so she's able to realize this is a movie yeah this is fiction this is this is not real and she's she asks intelligent questions like you know really that's the blind guy doing that yeah it is (laughs) (laughs) but she you know like when jack was killed she she said i can't remember her, her exact phrasing but it was something like so he's dead. Where's his mother? Oh. I said, well, she's dead. So she, he's all alone then. Yeah. And she came over and kissed me and said, I'm glad I have my mommy and daddy.
1: Oh,
2: that's killing me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but she, it's not like she was upset.
2: No, but I, I, she took the right lesson from the movie. Right. From from that. Mm-hmm. Because anybody that's lost a parent, you know, the thing you want most is give me 10 minutes with them. That I mean, right. I just hug them, tell them I love them. And that came through in this movie, clearly,
0: oh yeah yeah the
2: the entire Jack Murdoch saga, which is roughly the first thirty thirty five minutes of the movie, maybe a little less, is spot on perfect they they got the undercurrent of emotion you need to seal in, and it's it's it is moving
0: it is uh, it, especially when Jack makes the what he thinks is the turnaround for not working for the mob anymore mm-hmm As as you as you point out on a few occasions in your show, he is still being selfish by not throwing the fight. Yeah, it's still the I want to be the hero thing, knowing what's going to happen. Yeah, to to, to some greater or lesser extent. Right. He knows that he will be putting his son in a worse position than if he just went along with it. But there's a
2: tragedy to it, too, that. Maybe, and I, I don't think this came through on, what, on the episode you're referring to, maybe that's what he felt he could leave his son. That's the only thing he had to offer him.
0: Well, yeah, because you, in the movie, Matt is in the audience right behind, I I'm blanking on the, the, the Fallon. name. Fallon. Fallon in the movie, which right. I'm not sure why they changed it. but I, I was about to say Fixer, but I knew that wasn't who it was in the movie. Yeah, so Matt is right behind Fallon, so Jack is looking at both of them. And Matt is cheering his dad as hard as he can. So it's, okay, I gotta, after all this, after Matt working so hard on his studies, I have to prove that I can do this. So yeah, it is something to leave the impression on his son, but it's still, I'm not taking the dive. Yeah. It's still somewhat selfish. Yeah. And
2: it's kind of, again, it's the imperfections. Yeah. There's not a perfect character
0: in, in the Daredevil saga,
2: except maybe Foggy. Foggy's about as close as you get. <laughs> and it's it, it is it's a very emotional. The first part of the movie is very emotional, and then that emotion kind of simmers below it, below everything. And that's that's where the studio comes in and, and it's like, oh, we need more action sequences. So you get a playground fight
1: mm-hmm.
2: with wire work because that crouching tiger, hidden dragon thing worked so well.
0: Well, that worked well just because it was that genre. That's how it it was supposed
2: to be. But we should get that guy to direct the Hulk. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You want a bad superhero movie that is strangely appealing visually? The Hulk. It is in no way a good movie. There's no... There's too much substance. And it's all somehow subtext while being right in front of your face.
0: It's subtext they beat you over the head with. Yeah, <laughs> which is actually an amazing feat, if you think yes. about it.
1: <laughs>
2: but at the same the movie tries to build its foundation on the Matt and Electra romance and something that was put in where, you know, the love scene was something that was done in reshoots. That's not how it was originally planned to happen. Mm. But you're supposed to believe these two, that Matt's fallen completely in love with her in one date.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. It just it, it doesn't work.
2: No, I mean, if you love at first sight's great on the page, and I, I believe in it to some extent. But to build what they were trying to sell you, there has to be time. There has to be investment. Mm-hmm. There has to be some getting to know you, and there's not much of that there.
0: No, I mean, he, he basically knows her name, knows who her father is, and that her mother is dead. Yeah, that's all he knows. I mean. He, they may be completely incompatible
1: on every <laughs> level,
0: except fighting.
2: But it's sexy fighting. If you say so, foreplay fighting. There it is. That's probably the better way to put it. <laughs> I see you're using fighting as an allegory for sex.
0: I see what you did there. Mm. <laughs> Kaigi gives new meaning of his uh, his cane going into the bench. <laughs> oh. Oh, he missed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, as far as your first impression in 2003 and your impression today, has has anything changed for you?
0: I don't think so. I I think I enjoyed the movie in 2003. I had issues with it, even not knowing a lot of the stuff. Mm -hmm. And I still have the same issues. With the same things It's essentially if you excise Elektra from the movie, yeah, it would be a great movie. But they just cram that in. And it doesn't. It doesn't work. So well,
2: Elektra is a character that needs space, and there wasn't space. Right. I mean, in thirteen episodes. You can kind of meter out a lot of what you need to do with that character because it's all psychology with her. Mm-hmm. And and here, there's no psychology. And Jennifer Garner's performance was flat. Just. I didn't see a moment where she really embraced the role.
0: No, not really. I mean, it was she was basically doing Alias.
2: Mm-hmm. Affleck, you saw some buy-in. Uh, Joey Pants buy-in. Michael mm. Clark Duncan was all in, and so was Colin Farrell.
0: Oh yeah. Jennifer Garner showed up. <laughs> in fact, I think uh, there was there was a story with Michael Clark Duncan that when he heard that he had gotten the role, that he was so enthusiastic about it because he knew who the kingpin was. Mm-hmm. And just because of his body type and the way he is built, he was always, his manager always kept him on a strict diet because he would, you know, gain weight just because of who he was and, yeah. you know, the, the exercise he did, you tend to want more calories. Yeah. And he was so happy that he got the role because now his manager couldn't tell him, you can't gain weight. Well, I'm yeah. playing a kingpin. <laughs> I have to get get at least some weight on me. And the thing is, he, he, he sold it because he's muscle. That man was all muscle. Oh, yeah. you. I believed. Yes, I knew it was wire work. But I believed when he picked Daredevil up over his head and then threw him into the ceiling. Yes. <laughs> I absolutely believed it because I can see the power in that man. Oh, and it was
2: the irony is uh, we took out the movie, rewatched it, and the next morning I found out Michael Clark Duncan died after the night before saying, "Man, that guy owned that role."
1: Yeah,
2: and so that was that'll always be a connection that I have with the movie. That's a little macabre, but as far uh, as as the passage of time, parts of it don't stand up. They're not going to parts of Batman '89 don't stand up after twenty some odd years, almost thirty.
0: Oh, (laughs) but. I feel old enough. You can stop now.
2: Yes. (laughs) But beyond that, beyond the the things you just can't change, there's still a a germ of a good movie here. There's enough to like that it doesn't go into the category of Batman and Robin or Jonah Hex. These are movies that just completely decided we're going to do our own thing.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: you you can see in this movie that they went to the source material, and they oh, yeah. love the source material. Some Sometimes they love it too much. They, yes. Or to, to put it as Dom, Thomas DJ would say, they love the source material. Yes,
2: they do. Well, your opening shot, your first look of Daredevil, is from Daredevil Volume 2, Issue 3 with him on the cross, the statue I have on my shelf over here. Right. The final shot is from the first issue of that second volume of Daredevil. And in between there, you have Elektra getting stabbed directly from the cover of Daredevil 181, or from a page from Daredevil 181. Mm-hmm. There are literal snapshots that are directly from the comics, which tells me they put work into this movie. They were trying to aim for something. Did they hit it? Not entirely, no. This is not a perfect movie, but it's not a bad movie.
0: No, it it is
2: enjoyable. Yeah, and, and I'll it, always, the effort is appreciated.
0: Yeah, th- this is a movie that I have no problem watching. It's not something I'm necessarily going to go out of my way to watch. But if someone says, hey, let's watch Daredevil's, oh, fine. No problem. Sure. yeah.
2: Now, I do. I, and you'll hear this. This is pretty much universal. Most people will say the director's cut was better. And I do believe that it fills in certain mortar to the bricks of this. But is, you know, the movie that was in theaters. I saw it twice opening weekend. I enjoyed it both times. I went out and bought the DVD as soon as it, came, it hit the shelves at Walmart. Loved it then, too. And when I watched it again, I still love this movie. How much of that is sentimentality? I'm not sure. (laughs) But there's a lot to like here. There's a lot to be frustrated with. But the potential that this movie has is something that needs to be reexamined by a lot of bloggers that I'm seeing who are comparing it to the new Daredevil series, which, believe it or not, the series takes a lot of cues from this movie.
0: Yeah, no matter how much they want to walk that back, they they do have a lot in common with this oh yeah and, and that's that stems from the love of the source material mm-hmm. so i'm gonna i'm gonna lay a challenge down to the listeners much as scott gardner and i did when we talked about star trek the motion picture i want anyone that's listening to this to go back and rewatch this movie and then Tag both Dave and myself on Facebook or Twitter mm-hmm. or whatever and let us know what you think. Let us know whether you liked, when you think you like it or think you don't like it. Please re-watch it with an open mind and let us know what you think of it and how you think it held up in the last 13 years. Yeah.
2: And I I had, you know, when I was talking about this, I had a little bit of feedback that a lot of people, a lot more people than you think are re-examining it. So I'd like to see that in an organ. Yeah, please do tag us both. I would love to
0: see... You know, reactions 13 years later. So, and, you know, you can compare it to the Netflix Daredevil as as much as you want. That's fine. But just, we're talking about this movie in particular.
2: And hey, while you're there, why not see what the Daredevil Netflix series did take? Right. There's quite a few things, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but in season two, there's something that immediately made me jump back to this movie.
0: Hmm, good to know. Yep. Oh, you'll know it when you see it. You mean when I eventually see it? Yeah. (laughs) I'll I'll see it when uh, the Defenders movie is out. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I think we've uh, beaten this subject quite near to death, just like Daredevil did with the one guy in (laughs) the hallway. (laughs) So why don't you let the lovely listeners know where they can find you out on the interwebs? Well, I'm right down the dial from this show
2: at 2TrueFreaks.com. You'll see Dave's Daredevil podcast listed there. Um basically just look at Daredevil comics sometimes randomly sometimes look at series like Daredevil Yellow or Guardian Devil which is coming up after that but it's all Daredevil all the time
0: and it is a very good show and watch out for the uh the Google foo with uh,
2: the locations
0: <laughs> in New York
2: <laughs> yes which none of I, which I saw none of when I was actually in New York because <laughs> we were on Long Island yeah no, we, I saw Queens I saw Queens yes. Spider-man's area
0: there you go with spider-man again you're on a daredevil show well you know
2: he's their their cousin characters so yes
0: they're they're both marvel knights yes all right well thank you very much for being on dave i i appreciate it i i love talking with you i mean we had some excellent conversations last year at aforementioned Long Island yes which <laughs> you you guys may or may not hear depending on how busy Chris and Scott are to get that audio out but I always have fun talking to you and I, at some point I'm going to have to get you back on
2: yeah we'll have to do it again I mean I look at your face every day because I have a picture of us from Long Island
0: oh okay a,
2: the picture on the porch with the whole, the whole group so I just want to sound a little stalkerish taking lessons from Dr. Bill are we yeah oh yeah learn from the master
0: he's <laughs> racking up those restraining orders you know <laughs> That's his wallpaper now. <laughs> All right. Well, make sure you go and listen to Dave's Daredevil, Daredevil podcast every Sunday. You know, unless there's a break. Yeah. It, at two 2truefreaks.com And thank you again for being on, sir.
2: Oh, thank you for having me. Finally, good to podcast with you. Yes. Officially.
0: <laughs> actually, yeah, actually, you know, having a, something released that we've recorded together. <laughs> All right. See you next time, everyone. Legends of the Superheroes is a production of TheHammerStrikes.com and focuses on examining live-action versions of superheroes. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please send an email to legends at TheHammerStrikes.com. Please look for The Hammer Strikes on Facebook and Google+. Part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network.